blow in her face and she'll follow you anywhere. You are destroying the Constitution of the United States. May God have mercy on your souls. Good day. Yes. We could be saved if we just elected the right white man to power. That's creepy, but that's in a different category of creepy. Zitzu, zitzu, zitzu. Gary Geigers. Of course he introduced zoning laws. Okay. You know what? Don't. Yeah. The less I have to do with that game, the better. Here's my favorite part of the defense. Clodius was probably fucking his sister. Jughead, not Jarhead. I have nothing against Marines. I want to make okay. that very clear. I'd be really interested to find out what fucking truth that woman was trying to get at. And like with most episodes, I can bring it back to wrestling. Oh. Right, well, he's got other people who work for him who also do things, and, and they can okay. mutate okay. Uh, okay. human size into smaller worlds, after all. Fuck you. I still don't give a shit about getting fake property in a fantasy game. Avatar, if you will, of the Avatar of Kane model for the uh, Eldar, the Space Elves of Warhammer 40,000, and um, it is, honest to God, one of the most gorgeous models uh, Games Workshop has ever put out, and I have not gotten a chance to sit down and actually work on it yet, but I'm very, very, very excited. So, that's me. How about you? Well, I'm Damien Harmony. I'm a Latin teacher and a drama teacher up here in Northern California. Uh, and I just finished the longest strike that my district has ever had. So as much as I try to keep these timeless, yeah, I, I think this say. is relevant. <laughs> yeah, this is to, entirely to what we're, relevant. Yeah, yeah, and that's the only reason I'm indulging. But yeah, yeah. we had an eight-day strike that lasted 12 days. Yeah, um, because weekends. Yeah, you count the weekends. But yeah. even counting eight days turns out longer than any strike we've had. I double-checked. If I'm wrong, I'm happy to be wrong, but uh, I double-checked. There was a four-day in 1989 and okay. then a five-day in 1991. Okay. I might have them reversed. Okay. Um, so a total of nine days back then, stretched okay. over three years. Yeah. We have also had a total of nine days stretch over three years because we had a one-day strike. Yeah. But this time we had an eight-day strike, all of which could have thoroughly been avoided at any step along the way. Yeah, the the. Yeah. I mean, we don't want to spend too much time, no. you know, indulging in literally this, but, belaboring but just, the point. Just, ha! Well done. Thank you. Uh, not even mad about that one. Yeah. Go union thuggery. <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, no, the the circumstances were just asinine. Yes. Um, they continue to be, by the way. He sent us a letter 
Shit. Saying that it's incumbent upon us to model good behavior. What, what does that even fucking mean? I will but... send you the letter I gave him in response. Oh. Between episodes. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward oh, to reading chef's that. Chef's kiss. Because, like, it was... <laughs> because as, as friend of the show, Bishop O'Connell likes to say, fuck him sideways with a sleeper sofa. Yeah, no. I, <laughs> like... Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, I took off my earrings. <laughs> And I took off the hoops. Yeah. And, yeah. Okay. Put on my friend's rings. So oh, nice. Nice. And started yeah. typing it out. Yeah. So I like yeah, it. Yeah. All right. So, hey, when last, last we talked, yeah. speaking of unions. Uh, uh, <laughs> and, and, and anti-union assholes. Yes. Yeah. Henry uh, Ford. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, turns out he needed to hire a man named Harry Bennett uh, because okay. Henry Ford, remember, saw that human beings were like cogs that you could replace. Yeah. And uh, his idea was so good that all he needed was someone to violently institute this idea, and then everybody would realize how good an idea it was. Oh, okay. Like you do. Yeah, wait. Okay. <laughs> wait. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a markedly different interpretation of this series of events <laughs> than you usually get in most American history textbooks. Yeah. You have my attention. <laughs> so... Uh, so let, let's talk Harry Bennett. Okay. Harry Bennett worked in the Ford Service Department. Service Department? Read Union Busting. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so he worked there. Service Department. That's what it was called. Now, you may ask, why would a man who believed in welfare capitalism, uh, who instituted the 40-hour work week and a decent wage, more than double the regular rate at the time that he instituted it oh, yeah. in 1915, yeah. why would he hire someone to break union activism by actually beating the shit out of unionists inside the plant? Well, because uh, like any good capitalist of his ilk, uh, he believed that uh, he, 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 he carried... Uh, this this internalized idea mm-hmm. that whatever workers got, they got because of his largesse, because yes. he was the big man. Noblesse oblige. Noblesse oblige. And like, no, I'm going to pay people a really good wage and I'm going to institute a 40-hour work week because... After 40 hours is when mistakes start getting much more noticeable, mm-hmm. like they happen more frequently. Um, and because if I want people to show up on time, do their job, and do what I want them to do, I'm going to have to pay them what they're worth. Well, so he, he had, as, as any good capitalist of his ilk had, he mm-hmm. had the, the built-in kind of uh, belief in this idea that whatever his workers got, they got because of him. He yes. was the great man. I am daddy. He was, yes, he was the genius. <laughs> yeah, yes, he was daddy. <laughs> yes. And, and spare um, the rod. And spare the rod, spoil the child. Mm-hmm. And you know, he would pay them that wage mm-hmm. because he wanted to attract people who were going to be reliable, who'd show up and do their job and, exactly. you know, and, and have a sense of professionalism. So you're going to, you're going to pay them well. Because he saw that as productivity. Because, because. And he absolutely more, did. Yeah, as I'd said in the totally, previous episode. Yeah he, yeah. he totally saw that as, as, as uh, the, the value he puts into the workers is going to be mm-hmm. the value he gets out of the work. Again, these are cogs that he's making sure Again, he machines really well. Yes. Yes. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to get the best parts for his machine that exactly. he can get. He's going to lubricate them properly. He's going to look after them. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to only work them at a certain speed for a certain amount of time. Right. Because to use a car analogy, if you wind up the if you wind up the engine too hard and then pop the clutch, you're going to burn out your differential, and that's going to cost you a shit ton of money. There you go. 
Um, so he's so he's 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 going to do these things because that's how you maximize the productivity and the efficiency of the wonderful Swiss watch machine. Yes, that that he has constructed. And he did start as a watch repairman. Yeah, see, which see, I'm making the reference. Absolutely, see, you know, which he's he's the like Doctor Manhattan. I just realized is an answer to him because Doctor Manhattan becomes completely aloof and stops caring. Yes. And I think that's uh-huh. that's really interesting. Oh yeah, well, because he and still had a huge also, dick, whereas yeah. <laughs> Henry Ford <laughs> was a huge dick. It was was a massive phallus yeah. of a human being. Uh, but what, if he'd gotten started in Florida, uh-huh. this analogy would have made so much more sense. Yeah. Did I ever tell you about that? No. My grandma, my dear sweet Nana, who is the only oh, living grandparent oh, 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 I have no. as of this recording. Okay. She told me once, you know, Damien. When God rested on the seventh day, he put his hand down, and that's why Michigan is the way it is. And I had no filter at 10. And I said, so what about Florida? I did not get dessert. Ah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah. What about Florida? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think I think there's some kind of spiritual resonance involved mm-hmm. there. Well, when people ask where I lived Florida? in Florida, yeah, I always tell them midway up the shaft, like, <laughs> heading toward the taint. So. <laughs> uh, and you know, yeah, the less no, said it, about it, that, it's hot, the it's sweaty, it's, it's wrinkled. It's, I mean, yeah, it, it all fits. Yeah, it all. It the all moss fits. is all growing, all starting fits. in that yeah, area. Fungus. Yeah. Fungal, yeah. mm-hmm. everything, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Mildew. Just. <laughs> the yeah. water's just a little salty. Just a little. Yeah. yeah. Jock itch. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> completely. Oh, but. Um, Swiss watch. Swiss watch. Uh, Dr. Manhattan mm-hmm. is is also an answer to uh, deism. Yes. The idea that God, that God <laughs> is it, a watchmaker. Walked away. Built it and walked away. Yes. Um, which Siler is the opposite of that. Siler is—he's Henry Ford with superpowers. Yeah, yeah pretty yeah. much. Yeah, which is basically what Ozymandias was. And if you remember, mm-hmm. Ozymandias was meeting with Lee Iacocca. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Man, the layers. <laughs> um. So, but, but, and 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 the thing is, mm-hmm. getting back to Henry Ford. Sure. The the deist idea. I'd I'd be really interested in in now. I want to I want to get into mm-hmm. uh, Henry Ford's uh, religious upbringing as a kid, mm-hmm. because I'm I'm going to bet money. Mm-hmm. Like I would be willing. I would bet you a jelly donut right now mm-hmm. that he was uh, some kind of mainline Northern Protestant, yeah, Presbyterian. Uh, or or uh, Northern Episcopalian, something like that. Yeah, basically a Yankee. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, with with that same uh, Dutch Protestant, um, de- semi deistic uh, outlook on the universe. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, for a guy like him, if he's coming from that kind of background, right, there is a subconscious level on which you're going to see yourself in a paternalistic big daddy in the sky god oh, yeah. kind of kind of vein and so the moment your workers start saying hey about this other little issue here like mm-hmm. yes you're paying us real well we appreciate that you're paying us real well 
we appreciate that you're giving us a weekend when, you know, that's not a standard thing yet for everybody else. We, we, we appreciate all that. Can we also maybe talk about, you know, breaks right during the day? Can we maybe talk about how we get scheduled? Yeah. Can we like all of the other shit mm-hmm. that can take a well-paid 40 hour a week job and turn it into misery? Yes. That like, it's really good to have somebody on your side as your advocate mm-hmm. to talk to management because again, they're the ones with all the money right. and they're the ones who control your job. Right. So yeah. So, so of course he's mm-hmm. going to be like, well, you uppity little fucks. Well, and he is, he is Episcopalian by the way. Oh, okay. Well, and he would we walk every Sunday to church. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. he's, you know, he's yeah. a Michigander. Yeah. The yeah. huge like my my I'm I'm baptized Episcopalian. Uh, okay. Because my mom was given a car. <laughs> this is a true okay. story. Um so how much more Michigan can we can, get? Can we get yeah that you baptize no our grandchild and we'll give you a car. But that's exactly why I was baptized. Okay. So that my mom well, could have a car. Okay. But it was really important to my grandparents that I was baptized. Which well, I understand why. Okay, I, I get yeah. it. You know. um, mom didn't care. So sweeten the deal. Okay. Um, but uh, <laughs> so, but uh, but yeah, I was. Uh, but the Episcopalians are big and big in Dearborn. Oh, huge. Like that's a that's a normal thing. Yeah. He's buried in a Episcopalian cemetery. Okay. Well, there you um, go. So yeah, uh, my my grandfather the day that he died, uh, there was an Episcopalian uh, bishop mm-hmm. who came in and. Yeah. Give him the Episcopalian last rites, whatever yeah. those may be. Um, and yeah, well, they're Catholic light. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they're the American version of the Anglicans. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's Diet Coke barely, Zero. Barely even crypto-Catholic. Right. Yeah. Uh, and my grandma now is actually very concerned that my children are not baptized. And I was like, well, this she buys me a car. This <laughs> <laughs> Family tradition. <laughs> But so anyway, Henry Ford. Yeah, see if you can get a Chrysler Sebring out of it. Right. Like, you know. Henry Ford was obsessed with, of course, productivity, and he implemented something called the speed up plan, which literally sped up the assembly lines. Oh yeah, gradually. Yeah. uh, Like a just a little more each week. Like a snail being boiled. Yeah. For Uh, escargot. Gross as fuck. Um but uh Well, but yeah, you know, start with Cold water and yeah, the heat work gradually. Up. So, given that these are human beings who are working, yeah. though, they actually noticed, uh, <laughs> and the the strain was leading uh, to many of them talking, which you don't do on the line, yeah. and thinking about organizing. So, Henry Ford met a man named Harry Bennett. Uh, now, uh, Harry Bennett was in the Navy uh, when he was. I think the term is off ship. Yeah. Okay. He was off ship in New York in 1916. Remember when Henry Ford was going around trying to sell peace because it's uh, more, it's better yeah, productivity. Yeah. 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 Uh, Henry Bennett or Harry Bennett had gotten into a fight, a street brawl because okay. he's a sailor. Yeah. Um, and one of Ford's associates was on his way to a meeting with Ford, and he saw what had happened, and was was impressed with uh, the then 24 year old sailor Harry Bennett. He talked to the police Presumably into, yeah. because of how he had acquitted himself in the fight. Yes. And Harry Bennett was uh, like, I, I went down a, a big rabbit hole for okay. Harry Bennett. He was a boxer in the Navy. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so there you go. Yeah. yeah okay. So uh, he talked the police into releasing Bennett because if you're rich, you can do that. Um, and he had also been a newspaper columnist for Hearst. Uh, 
So he he had it in with the police to say, let go of that one sailor. Okay, great. And then he took Bennett with him to the meeting with Henry Ford. Ford, after hearing how Bennett had acquitted himself, literally asked only one question of Harry Bennett before, uh, before hiring him on. What? Can you shoot? Are you fucking kidding nope. me? So... It's so so I yeah. I hear that you're good at beating the shit out of people. Yeah. How are you Can at range you combat? Shoot him too. Yeah. Motherfucker. So Bennett got put in charge of security at the Rouge plant, uh, and he would make sure that he acted tough and a mite crazy the whole time to keep people scared. Uh, <laughs> you are just stunned still. What the <laughs> actual fuck? Yeah. Like. Okay, no, don't, you know. I need right. a man for the service there department. Are not, there are not very many times in history mm-hmm. when you can point to somebody and go, that right there, <laughs> that right there, that's lawful evil. Yes. But yeah. but here we are, uh-huh. Henry Ford. Yes. 100% lawful evil. Yeah. And this guy Bennett, like, At least neutral. neutral evil. Yeah. Like... Like, no, man. I think, honestly, Harry Bennett might have just been neutral neutral. Okay. Because he just seemed to be like, he he is what Hawkeye said that he was, a weapon that you point in a direction. Okay. That's what I'm getting. Although, I think by association with Ford, he ends up going evil. Well, well, see, what you do there Mm -hmm. is you have the big N parentheses E. You yeah, know, evil tendencies. Yes. Like like the gods yes. of like the gods of Asgard mm-hmm. in in uh, in you know first edition A D and D were chaotic neutral parentheses good. Right, right. Like, the good like tendency. They're, 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 yeah. they, they tend toward goodwill, right. but mostly it's just, you know, the strong yeah. survive and you Exactly. Know. But but valor like, will will valor will bend yeah them. valor yeah. will earn you a place in Valhalla and yeah. fighting the good fight and et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. like no, this this is I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I guess I would need to find out more about, like, how much did Bennett get a kick out of this? Well, like, funny you much... should ask that. Okay. He set up target practice with a BB gun on site, and he would shoot it at a filing cabinet in the basement. So you would just hear pings all day long at work because Harry Bennett, the guy in charge of the service department, is shooting stuff on site. Uh, he also shot a target in his office with a forty-five pretty regularly. He was strapped in in his office. Yes, and he also. <laughs> you're in, in, okay. No, wait. Okay. Wait. But, okay, but okay. you're you're gonna miss out on okay, okay. on the buildup to this next sentence. Okay, go ahead. He would also bring his pet lions to his office office so that he could paint their portraits. <laughs> Bullshit. No, dead serious. Bullshit. Dead serious. Lions. Yes. The Detroit Lions on, are, of because of course that's where the football <laughs> team, because owners of NFL teams are universally shitheads. Yes, so that shouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so so what you're saying is yes, and you're not going to get this reference because you you somehow were immune to it at the beginning of the of the uh, pandemic. Sure. But but you're saying that Henry Ford essentially hired Joe Exotic to act as the head of security. With more class, with a fedora. 
Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. With, with a better wardrobe. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Joe Exotic with a better wardrobe. Yeah. Oh. I would say a more you... purposeful and, and again, true <sighs> evil, not chaotic evil. Like, yeah, okay. He's not swinging yeah. by the tail of a cat. Yeah, you know, here's, he is yeah, purposeful. In this yeah, show. here, here's the thing. Joe, Joe mm-hmm. Exotic is is one of the closest examples. Like, like looking at his behavior, looking at his whole mm-hmm. like everything in that in that documentary. And of course, I know everything's been edited and whatever. But yes. like, I, I uh, the stuff that we did see is is enough for me to pretty much be convinced that that Joe Exotic is, as a matter of fact chaotic fucking neutral like Mm -hmm. he he does not have a plan right he does not think more than five minutes into the future right it's just you know self-gratification like right now yeah he's if belcar was given human form (laughs) yes yes yes. sort of only yeah yeah. oh i like her she's crazy let's fuck yeah (laughs) oh i want a cat for now yeah 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 pretty much um and and this guy Mm -hmm. barry bennett bennett Mm-hmm. Is is calculating? Yes, and very clearly, consciously he, intimidating. Conscious, consciously intimidating. This this is this is solidly neutral evil. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm still getting over like the lions. The lions threw me off for a second, but I, <laughs> I want to get back to. He was shooting on occasion. He shot a forty-five. Yes, in his office. In his office. Yes. So now, of the two of us, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm the. Gun I have guy. fired a forty-five. You have, you have, I have, you have. I, I don't, I don't, I don't mean to say you haven't fired a gun. No. I'm, so I, I recognize the power about, and the kick yes, of that. Yeah. Yes. I'm the one who thinks about guns more often. Oh yes. yes. I'm, I'm the one who's more interested in them. Quite so. So, so the thing is, um, I'm, I'm less concerned about the boom and the kick and and mm-hmm. the power of the firearm. On the user's end. Right. And I'm more concerned about he's firing a 45 mm-hmm. in a business environment. I, I mean, grant I you, mean, it's a factory, so there's a lot of brickwork. Okay. Yeah, but still. But yeah. yeah after, and metal filing cabinets. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. But, okay. Mm-hmm. It, it's Part of this is it's an artifact of the times. Yes. Just because... It was it was you know the early 1900s, but yeah, the level of cartoonish batshit. Oh, it's gonna get worse. That's in wow. Yeah, because now we put How? these pieces into place. Okay. So Harry Bennett would go out and hire the best strike break, strike breakers that he could too, uh, and this typically included football players, boxers, wrestlers, Detroit River Gang members. Okay. Um, he was essentially Ford's fixer. And in being the fixer for Ford, Bennett became a very wealthy man. Well, yeah, because you the, want to keep the, him better paid than anybody else. The character that always comes to mind is Al Neary for for uh, Michael Corleone. Okay. Um, he built several homes that are still huge landmarks in the area today. And they're the stuff that wealthy villains who had family money uh, would have done. They came complete with hidden stairways, access to boats to escape, uh, horses, so on. Well, of course, because mm-hmm. his because his entire empire was built on fear. Yeah, and he was such a shitheel that he actually had to move to an island away from Dearborn because he'd done such horrific violence and intimidation in his efforts to bust union activities that he feared reprisal. 
Well, yeah. So he was kind of a uh, a prisoner of his own mind on some levels because he's scared to death that they're going to come to his house. And so which he re- fortressed up. Yeah, which only reinforces mm-hmm. how harsh he would be in day-to-day because now he's created a situation where, well, you right. know, it's them or me. Right. I yeah, can't, exactly. I can't let them win because if they win, then I'm fucked. Wow, you sure sound like someone I've had to deal with for the last 12 days. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> yeah, only the guy you've been dealing with is a milk toast yes, chicken yes. shit, lily-livered. Yeah. Sorry. That's okay. Harry anyway. Bennett was well-armed and had lots of fortresses. Um, some of his yeah. properties uh, also included things like swimming pools that had uh, that were set above a viewing room. Uh, with which had its own wet bar, so that he could stare at women who were swimming from below. So yeah, pig. okay. Well, that was yeah. That has been a. I mean, it's that a was a fetish of, thing. But it's also like seriously Bond villain bad guy shit. Oh well, yeah. You know, um, the same that same lodge also had a central room that enabled him to spy on other rooms because of the way the venting system was deliberately set up. Uh-huh. Um, and it had b- hidden bookcases that led to getaway boats, which he could then take to get to an airstrip and then escape by plane. And then he'd regularly run drills to memorize his routes if he was ever attacked, running up and down his stairs with his eyes closed. Wow. And then let's talk about hideouts. You want hideouts? Okay. No problem. He was a fan of log cabins. Okay. But he... Like the look of log cabins, he knew that he needed concrete bunkers. So there were concrete bunkers painted to look like log cabins. And in those, he had bookshelves that rotated into secret rooms, lookout posts, rooms behind fireplaces, hidden guns everywhere, and even mounted machine guns. Well, because this was the, you know, 19-teens, 1920s. Right. Possibly into the 30s before yes. before it became illegal for private citizens to own automatic weapons. Yes. Which actually, technically, it's not illegal for a private citizen to own one. You just have to get a federal license to do it, which costs a shit ton of money. Yeah. And if anybody could, it would be him. Yeah. So, so. he also had a California compound. And I mean compound. In case his, he and his boss and his family and his henchmen and his associates ever got run out of Michigan, they could escape to California. It came equipped with 14 bedrooms and all the luxury that one could want. I really actually want to go visit all of these places now. And and I really Me too. really want to run an adventure in D&D or Star Wars where the PCs grant his fucking wish. <laughs> and hunt him down? Yes. Yeah. Now, okay. after October of 1929, just kind yeah, of... Yeah, just random. Exactly. You know... Obviously, vehicle production took a massive hit, right? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. There was little to no purchasing of new cars. Production fell greatly thereafter. Yeah. And as a result, employment falls as well. And in Detroit, those who still worked had to deal with massive wage cuts. Within two years from 29, real wages of the auto workers in the Detroit area had dropped by over 50%. Holy shit. Suicides went up to 568 in 1931. What were they in 1929? Oh, I were think, you able to look it up? I think they were less than half of that. Okay. Yeah. Um, there was neither state nor federal welfare support, by the well, way. Yeah, no. So it fell to the counties and the cities and the churches. Yeah, because because all of that, um, any, any and all federal safety nets are the result of. Exactly. The, like, the, oh, shit. The New Deal. Yeah. Like, this old oh, stuff's not hey, working. <laughs> this isn't working. Yeah. Um, by 1932, there were over 400,000 unemployed families in Detroit. 
the crushing pressure of poverty combined with the lack of relief and support by anyone who had the means to provide it led to mass mobilization. Okay. This yeah. is why, you know, yeah. people get kind of fetishy and, and like looking for a unicorn when they're like, no, the people really need to rise up. And it's like, we're trying to get to the point before we get to the guillotines. Yeah, we don't, we don't, like, we don't yeah, like, no. It never goes well. Yeah, well, you know, you know and, and the thing is, yeah, I, I think, I think the, the thing is, mm-hmm. you talk about, well, you know, we, we just, we got to, uh, you know, those, those folks who uh, prior to the previous presidential administration mm-hmm. were like, well, you know, if we're not, if we're not going to go, you know, all the way and elect Bernie, then, you know, we might as well. You know, like Trump, because things set things ourselves will get on things, fire. Yeah, just just you know, we got to burn the whole thing down. And What's that? I can't have meatloaf. Fine, I'll stab myself in the dick in front of the restaurant. Pretty much, yeah. What? But 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 they're they're. Yeah. I mean that that outlook. Yeah, is built around this this romanticization of the the revolution. It's because there's nobody in living memory of having gone well, through well, it. Well, one, there's nobody in living memory having gone through it, and mm-hmm. I think the right loves fetishizing nationalistic violence yes the left the 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 same the left extremity of the left wants to romanticize revolutionary violence i would say not even revolution well revolutionary theory they're still beating off to that okay but you're right. That's there's fair. still that weird there's still like, there's yeah. still that like you know like yes. solid lefty leftist tankies right you know I just I, what I see is like there is massive nationalistic violence happening, yeah. and the response to that is like, well, you know, if unions would stop selling out their workers, like, bitch, you are the union. Yeah, I know. Like, if you're in the union, Literally like, participate in the fucking union. Yeah. Like, yeah. don't give me this if unions weren't selling. No, you want to know the reason unions are selling out their workers? Okay, the, I get, they're not. They're not, but <laughs> but but the ones that are. Mm-hmm are doing it because there's apathy within their rank and file and the people who get involved in leadership are getting involved in leadership to mm-hmm. get into a position of power. Yep. They're doing it for the wrong reasons. Yep. My mother-in-law... And people are allowing that. Yeah, and people are letting it happen. Through their apathy. Through their apathy. My mother-in-law, mm-hmm. uh, her last teaching job before she retired, she was in uh, a school in the East Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their union mm-hmm. was literally worse than useless. Like the stories that she tells me about the level of corruption involved in, right. in their union being in the hip pocket of administration sure, sure. are just grotesque. And of course, in her case, she was five years away from planning on retiring or however so long it was. So just sit it out. So just sit it yeah. out and put up with it. But the other, but all of the other members of that unit, because mm-hmm. this is a CTA affiliated union. Right. This, this is, this is, you know, this is the same as, same as every unit I've been part of. Right. And you have yeah. like, and the thing is, no, you have to elect people who aren't going to do that. Mm-hmm. As long as you don't show up for your union election, it's just like any other democratic system. If you don't mm-hmm. show up, then the other side's going to fucking win. Well, and and honestly, you know, Poole's law of iron bureaucracy literally was was a critique of unions, teachers unions specifically, because you did have that apathy. Yeah. And you did have that disengagement that allowed it to happen, that yeah. allowed the apparatchiks, apparatchiks, yeah. that those guys to take over and just yeah. use it to serve their own needs. Yeah. Now, so so again, mm-hmm. we we get the, the there is it's it's a similar flavor of that disaffection mm-hmm. 
that is, well, you know, there's, there's no point in, in, you know, showing up and voting for, you know, like, you know, the last presidential election, uh, the most recent one, record turnouts, record turnouts, but how many people were, uh, still griping and moaning prior to the general election, Mm -hmm. About the fact that, well, all of a sudden, Joe Biden started gaining more and more and more and more mm-hmm. momentum. And everybody was like, well, obviously, this is this is just, you know, the, the, the Democratic Party is, you know, the fix is in. It's going to be Joe. And like, you know, and, and all this, all this. Like, I'll even accept that all of that is true just yeah. to make the following point. Yeah. What else are you going to do then? Like, if that does end up being the choice, you want to yeah. disengage still and, and put yeah, well, at risk our most marginalized communities? Yeah. Oh, right, because you think a revolution is going to happen. Well, yeah, because, because revolution. Right. And and the thing is, it's like, no, here's the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, show up to your fucking primary. Yeah. Show up to your fucking primary and vote for somebody who has a chance of fucking winning. Well, and, and again, actually engage I would, with other voters. Anyway, I, I would but, also point like, out that like plenty of people did show up to the primary. Yeah. They, they absolutely did. And, and I do think that the system is rotting from within. I absolutely yeah. think so. Uh, so. Unless you're willing to kill 20% of the most marginalized people, because they will be targeted, yeah. then reform it from within. Yeah. Yank people to the left as hard as you can. Yeah. Anyway. So, now, the mobilization that we saw in the 30s, however, yeah. things were very dire, and this was nascent, and brutalization of politics was a new thing. Um, and the mobilization was actually happening on a massive level. You remember the uh, the the bonus marchers? Um, oh, yeah. And yeah. so the mobilization was also aided by several unions in the area as well as communist leadership in the area because this is still the early 1930s. The plan was to march to the Ford River Rouge factory. And my mom explained to me that it's the Rouge River, not the Rogue River. Um, okay. Present 14 demands to Henry Ford and then go from there. And this was a march that was supposed to go from Detroit to Dearborn, which is about a nine-mile distance. Okay. So here is the list of demands. Quote, Jobs for all laid-off Ford workers. Immediate payment of 50% of full wages. Seven-hour day, uh, seven days without reduction in pay. Slowing down of the deadly speed-up. Two 15-minute rest periods. No discrimination against Negroes and jobs. This is their terms, not mine. But, well, okay, but I know. How progressive is that? Very much so. Well, like, consider right there, that's the killer with Henry Ford, though. Well, yes and no. He was one of the first people to hire black people in massive numbers. He's part of the reason that the Great Migration northward happened in the first place. Yeah. I don't want to credit him. This was black folks getting the fuck out. But but, uh, relief, like literally just one word was a demand. Um, Medical (laughs) service, free medical aid in the Ford Hospital for employed and unemployed Ford workers and families. Oh, wow. Which is kind of like Cobra. Um, five tons of coal and coke for the winter. Okay. Uh, abolition of servicemen. That's Harry Bennett's people. No foreclosures on homes of Ford workers. Immediate payment of lump sum of $50 for winter relief. Okay. Uh, $50 back then was obviously a lot more. I I didn't actually, there's other places where I actually used a, a, which converter. Yeah. A converter, but I didn't hear. Okay. Uh, full wages for part-time workers. Oh, wow. Abolition of the graft system of hiring <laughs> and the right to organize. Okay, so the killer is going to be 
14. <laughs> no, well, thankfully, Ford came out, listened to everyone, and agreed on the spot. I don't know why the following was called the Ford Massacre. It's just weird. Yeah. Okay. That, here's here's what really here's happened. What actually happened, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the mayor of Dearborn was Ford's cousin, a guy named Clyde Ford. Yeah, well, okay. You're in trouble right there. In Detroit, where it was incredibly cold, nothing was really a problem. The march got started without a hitch, so it was a very cold morning. Uh, there was somewhere between three to 5,000 marchers, but once they got to the border of the town of Dearborn, which is a suburb of Detroit, yeah, uh, the police force of Dearborn greeted them there with tear gas, batons, and gunshots. The marchers threw stones and clumps of frozen mud. Okay. The police retreated and then regrouped and repeated their attack, and this time with two fire trucks spraying cold water at the marchers. The response was the same. Yeah. At the Ford River Rouge complex, the police were then reinforced by the Dearborn Fire Department, who had lent out the... Yeah. Also, the Detroit police came in, and Ford's service department, led by Harry Bennett. Harry Bennett. They began firing into the crowd, and they killed Joe York, a 19-year-old district leader of the Young Communist League. They also killed Coleman Lenny, Joe de Blasio, and they wounded 50 more. The leaders of the march, including mm. the unemployed council leader, Alfred Gates, uh, G-O-E-T-Z, I think mm. it's pronounced Gates. Uh, by the way, there's or an Getz. unemployed... Yeah, or Getz. G-O-E is Getz. Okay, Getz. Okay. The unemployed I council. I just love that yeah. even they organized, right? He tried to lead an orderly retreat, and at this point, Ford's, Ford's service department opened fire with a machine gun. Harry Bennett drove up in a car, rolled down the window, and began to fire his pistol into the crowd. Once he'd emptied the clip, uh, he grabbed the revolver from a police officer and unloaded that one, too. This killed a 16-year-old uh, young communist leaguer named Joe Bussell, making him the fourth and final fatality of the day. One of the few bright spots was that Bennett was injured by a rock for his troubles, and he got hospitalized. Uh, 25 police were also injured by thrown items. None were injured by gunfire. So clearly there's equal amounts of violence and evil on both sides. Oh, yeah. No, they're, they're right. fine people. Yes, Fine exactly. people on both sides. 48 workers yeah. and protesters were arrested. Some were arrested in their fucking hospital beds um, after they were chained to them. Jesus. Now, following that, Ford fired hundreds more if they were found to have even just left-wing literature. Or to have donated to the funerals of the four who were murdered by Bennett and the police. If you were in the Communist Party, you were automatically arrested. The brother of the slain child, Joe, his name was Ben Bustle. And he said at his brother's funeral, quote, In the name of my murdered brother, I call upon you to organize and fight. Long live the workers of the world. 80,000 people joined the march to the cemetery. Now, in June, so that was, what did I say, February? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I think you said February. Okay. Um, yeah, I forgot to write down that date. Uh, it was cold as shit, though. Yeah. But in June, one of the black workers and marchers, Curtis Williams, finally died of his wounds from that march. And while the Michigan was definitely on the side of the Union during the Civil War, that doesn't mean that they weren't racist as hell. And as such, their segregation policies kept Williams from being buried with his fellow marchers. Mm. He was then cremated and his ashes were scattered at that cemetery. Although there's some rumors persist that he was, uh, they, his ashes were scattered over the River Rouge plant instead in an act of defiance. Uh, 
Mm. The workers who'd been arrested avoided sentences from a grand jury, but they were indicted and tried. A guy named Maurice Sugar, which great name, was the attorney who defended them, and he actually managed them to get found not guilty by the grand jury. And well, that's he, good. Yeah, and he had said that the police brutality was way out of proportion and that such brutality grows, quote, out of the institution of private property under which one class in society lives in luxury at the expense of the great mass of workers who are compelled to live in a state of poverty, wretchedness, and despair. Oh, wow. Yeah, That's he said that at the at the pretty, trial. Pretty firebrand language there. Yeah. None of the police, the fire department, or the service department were ever indicted for the massacre. Jesus. Now, there was a manhunt for a guy named William Foster, who was one of the main organizers of this march, uh, but eventually that lost steam and uh, he wasn't arrested. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, the Detroit Times was incredibly responsible and made sure to verify all their facts before publication. That's a crock of shit. Yeah, I'm I'm lying. They actually published whatever false police reports that made their way to the newspaper, including the fact that the the false report that Harry Bennett and four policemen were shot. Quote, six shots fired by a communist. Let me do this in 1930s voice. Six shots fired by a communist hiding behind a parked car were cited by the police on Monday night as, uh, as the match which touched off a riot at the Ford Motor Company plant. Yeah. The, De- the Detroit Free Press also wanted in on the action, and they ran headlines that said, quote, or, or stories that said, quote, these professional communists alone are morally guilty of the assaults and killings which took place before the Ford plant. Okay, back up and, and without doing the sure. fakey mid-Atlantic accent. Yeah. Read that one to me again. These professional communists alone are morally guilty of the assaults and killings which took place before the Ford plant. Professional communists. Mm-hmm. Paid demonstrators. Yeah, I don't. I don't see. Like, it. like. Where, I'm just glad we learned from this. Where, and it's never where, happened again. Like, can can, can can the right get some new ideas? No. Maybe no. like at least pick new insults. No. Like okay. And and okay. So here's the thing. You're you're talking about mm-hmm. this this well, specific here's incident. Here's one more okay. one more okay. uh, headline. Okay. Uh, the Mirror had a headline that said "Red Leaders Facing Murder Trials." Okay. Now yeah. go on. <laughs> so um, I don't understand uh-huh. how it is, why it is mm-hmm. that. The moneyed, propertyed classes of society mm-hmm. who have the money mm-hmm. and the property and and the property to to pay for have always had mm-hmm. the resources to pay for a meaningful education. Yes. How it is that they can consistently be so thoroughly ignorant of the arc of history. And and the reason I ask this question is because you're you're talking about the Dearborn Police Department and the Police Department of uh, Police Department and Fire Department of uh, or no the Fire Department was also Dearborn mm-hmm. and then the Detroit Police Department and then and and this is this is the part that that hit that that caused the historical echo for me. Mm-hmm. The the private security yes. of the Ford Motor Company yes uh, showing up and inflicting violence on uh-huh. on a, on a group of of protesters yes immediately put me in mind of the uh, Peterloo massacre in August of eighteen nineteen 
which is which is British history. Okay. So it's so yeah. it's 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 not going to be immediately something that's going to jump right, out right, at right. you. But being a a Napoleonic era and post Napoleonic era nerd like I am, mm-hmm. the Peterloo massacre is a big deal because it was working class people mm-hmm. engaging in essentially a a mass action mass protest. Sure. Um, who were set upon mm-hmm. by a private cavalry regiment wow who murdered so literally rightist paramilitary people yeah, yes who yes. murdered 18 people and injured depending on what source you go by somewhere between 400 to 700 people were injured mm-hmm. uh because they they uh had become convinced that you know this this these were a bunch of you know mad revolutionaries and etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. And they rode in with cavalry sabers and murdered unarmed women and children mm-hmm. and still didn't manage to stop parliamentary reform from fucking happening. Right. So now yeah, the, the... it's it like, like they lost. I mean, in long term, yeah. they lost. Yeah. Long term, they've always lost. Feudalism mm-hmm. fell apart. Yes. The rule of the god kings of of uh, uh, Babylonia mm-hmm. or Babylon fell apart. Yes, uh, serfdom in Russia eventually fell apart. Right. On the way toward falling apart, mm-hmm. the people in charge of that system have always fought and clawed fought, to hang fought on. and clawed to hang on to it. Yeah, like you know. It'd, you'd be a lot less likely to wind up on the receiving end of a mechanical execution machine yep. if you were smart enough to read a history book and go, you know what? I've heard Maybe, this tune before. I've heard this tune before. Maybe I'm going to figure out a way mm-hmm. to to change the chord progression slightly. Right. So maybe I'm not able to take a shit in a gold-plated toilet anymore. Right. Silver will do. Silver will do, and yeah. I can I can land a little more softly, mm-hmm. and and not and not wind up you know being pilloried in in the annals sure. of history. Sure. Like after I'm dead. Yeah, that doesn't happen. Torn apart by the crowd. Doesn't happen. Like, but what? That's what I'm, I know that doesn't happen. I'm trying to figure Ever. out why that doesn't happen. Because you, you, you got to keep in mind <sighs> this is not something that occurs in a single generation to build this up. That's true. So these people are born into a system that has always been this way, as far as they've known. All right. And their own exceptionalism will keep them going through it. <sighs> so even though times look bad now, yeah, this is a blip. Okay. Yeah. All right. If we can just break them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, it turns out back then, Fuck. if you were rich and in charge of an industry in some capacity, uh, then you could get whatever misinformation you wanted printed in the newspaper to destabilize the public's belief in what was true. Back Luckily, then. we've gotten a lot more back discerning uh, since the advent of social media. Back then. Yeah. Right. Back then, okay. you were able to yeah. do that. Yeah. Now, with social media, that's impossible. Oh yeah, and there's certainly no way that like state actors could get involved in no, you know, uh, destabilizing other other democratic systems or, or other governmental systems or you know, seeding misinformation. No, never happened. No, this never. No, no. Uh, no. The the Muhammad uh, Mossadegh would like to speak with you. Um, <laughs> now <laughs> there. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Anyway. 
so there, there, however, at that time, there still were some officials who actually took their job seriously. The mayor of Detroit, a guy named Frank Murphy, criticized Ford and Bennett and how people were arrested in their hospital beds, which that that's noteworthy shows us how far that bar dropped. He said that the only difference between Dearborn police and Ford service department men was, quote, a legalistic one. Pretty much. Yeah. I think I think it, it would be interesting to also note uh, what the demographics were of who voted in Dearborn and who voted in Detroit. Well, yeah, right. you have a lot more black folks actually getting to use the vote, whereas Dearborn was kept white. Oh, um, yeah. There's, there's a mayor who's not mayor yet because it's Ford's cousin, but a mayor throughout my mom's entire life, uh, Orville Hubbard. Um, he, you can look him up. He's the dictator of Dearborn. <laughs> He's called that because there was a, I think a time life magazine article about the yeah. four most authoritarian, uh, local government mayors in the country. In the yeah. country. There was a Hitler of Hoboken, the dictator of Dearborn. And then there were two others that were also clever. Yes. Hoboken. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. You got to keep in mind, I, back then, using yeah, I, the name Hitler was not an immediately invoking yeah, the, yeah, the no, Holocaust because people yeah. were trying to forget it. Yeah. No, I understand. Yeah. So. But, wow. Yeah. Um, but he literally ran on a keep Dearborn clean thing. And he he went down to talk to the mayors of, yeah. Oh, yeah. Here's your dog whistle breakdown. Yep. Wow. Uh, he went down to the south to talk to the mayors of Alabama. And he's like we do it so much better than you guys. Like you have all this violence and stuff. We don't have that. Like a black family moves in, they get visited by the police round the clock until they leave. Like he was bragging about his shit. Yeah. Orville Hubbard, a real piece of shit. Um, so, uh, a friend of the mayor's who actually served on the grand jury that found no reason to arrest or indict anyone from the non protester or demonstrator side, uh, said in his own dissent, so he's a okay. member of the jury, but okay, dissented, yeah. said that the jury was, quote, the most biased, prejudiced, and ignorant proceeding imaginable. <laughs> yeah, the, he, he was coming from inside the room, too. Wow. Now, luckily for all involved, uh, this was the end of all of it. There's no violence ever done again, and the demonstrators at the Ford plant were... You know, you know the, the trick stops working after you okay, do it two or fine. three so times. So let's fast like, forward to okay. 1937, then. Uh, so... <laughs> There was a newspaper that described the Ford Service Department as the largest private quasi-military organization in the world. I would just like to point out Unsurprising. that Eric Prince um, and his sister, Betsy Prince, who married yeah. into the DeVos family, yes, who came from Amway money, which got its start in Michigan. No shit. Yep. I did not know that yeah. Amway was a Michigan thing. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, right. so, from ni- so, you yeah. know, generational wealth is not just a Southern thing. No. Okay. No, no. So from 1935 to 1937, there were hundreds of sit-down strikes. There yeah. were a bunch of unions bolstered by the Wagner Act in 1935. They also called, uh, it was also called the National Re- Labor Relations Act. And it's yep. federally legitimizing impact on unions. A bunch of unions won recognition. There was a 44-day General Motors plant occupation in Flint, Michigan. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is one of my favorite strikes because the women were so universally important to it. They broke the windows so that the tear gas would flow back out. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, The UAW got recognized there. 
as well. Yeah. Much of it due to the women. Um, without their efforts, the, the strike would have been broken. Uh, there was a 31-day strike at Chrysler. Mm-hmm. Uh, with those, as well as smaller companies along the way, the UAW swelled to 400,000 members. Yep. Now, at this point, the New Deal is taking effect and money is starting to flow in and unions are starting to grow with it. For really the first time, it's got federal backing. You had oh, the yeah. Wagner Act. Yep, now, yep. still, Ford Motors was not a union shop uh, for the re- reasons that I mentioned previously. Remember mm-hmm. how Ford made sure that he was a sole owner? Yeah. Um, and uh, hand-built distribution was actually illegal in Dearborn. You couldn't distribute handbills. Again, when your cousin's the yeah, man. Yeah. Still, the UAW acted, actually got a permit from the Dearborn uh, city government to distribute leaflets on May 26, 1937. The leaflets said, Unionism, not Fordism. Oh, wow. All right. Fordism was the rote simplicity of the assembly line. Uh, which was accelerated week by week and had strict rules about the conduct on the line. If you if you sat down, you were fired. If you talked, you were fired. So unionism, not Fordism. So the UAW's women's auxiliary were going to distribute the leaflets on the overpass, the women's auxiliary. Uh, this overpass crossed Miller Road. Um, the This was the overpass that workers at Ford favored for entering the plant. So most okay. of them came over this. Right. This location was also a little more than just a frozen a frozen sod's throw away from <laughs> the site of the massacre five years uh, earlier. Uh, see what you did there. Thank All you. Right. Uh, the women were joined by sympathetic clergy, a clutch of reporters, uh, as well as an advanced team of UAW officials. Okay. Uh, at 2 p.m., leaders of the UAW were asked to pose atop the overpass by a Detroit News photographer named James Kilpatrick. While they were arranging the shot, Harry Bennett and the service department attacked them from behind. Local 174's president, uh, Walter Reuther, Reuther, R-E-U-T-H-E-R. Reuther. Reuther. Um, he was dragged by his feet down two flights of iron stairs. Now, if you're dragging someone by their feet, I don't know if you read your A.A. Milne, but you know what goes bump diddy bump diddy bump bump is their head. Yes. Yeah. So he gets dragged. And body slammed repeatedly to the pavement. He's later quoted as saying, quote, Seven times they raised me off the concrete and slammed me down on it. They pinned my arms and I was punched and kicked and dragged by my feet to the stairway, thrown down the first flight of steps, picked up, slammed down on the platform, and kicked down the second flight. On the ground, they beat me and kicked me some more. Bob Cantor and Tony Marinovich were thrown off the top of the overpass to the street 30 feet below. Marinovich suffered a brain injury. Richard Frankenstein, not Frankenstein, okay. uh, he was held and repeatedly chone-shotted. Jesus. And William Merriweather had his back broken due to his beating. Now, while this is going on, the women's auxiliary came by streetcar with arms full with leaflets their purpose for being there, the thing for which yeah. they had a yeah, yeah. permit. Catherine Babe Gels, I love that's yeah. her nickname, the commander of the auxiliary who patterned this one after what the women's auxiliary had done for the GM strike, she dove in to stop three men from beating on a union man. She, along with many other women, were beaten for their troubles. All told, there were 60 injured and one who died later from his injuries, a guy named J.J. Kennedy. Boy, it's a 
remarkable that the guys thrown off the fucking overpass weren't killed. Right? I mean... My God. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's quite <sighs> something. Now, uh, the re- photographers and the reporters also beaten. Cameras were destroyed in a concerted effort to hide what had happened. Because when you're on the side of right, you want to make sure no one sees yeah, your yeah, righteous action. Yeah, of course. Which is what made someone uh, who's... This is what I think you would do if you were absolutely consider, you know, thinking you were right. So, you know, Harry Bennett, clearly, very clear moral compass. <laughs> they... <laughs> Neutral evil. Yeah. Solidly, like, I know what I'm doing is morally wrong. I don't yep. care. Yeah. Yeah, he I'm has just going to make sure I don't get caught by osmosis, right? Yeah, and to do so, they made reporters, and I mean made reporters, surrender their photo plates. It was old timey photographs, yeah, yeah. right? Luckily for the truth, Kilpatrick hid his behind the seat of a car and surrendered the plates that he had on the front seat. Another one threw his camera into a waiting car that then sped away. Nice. Yes. Now, as a result of these photographers' efforts. The newspapers had pictures to show what had happened. Ford had to respond instead of just pretending it was all fine and making yeah, yeah, it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he pulled his advertisements from Time Magazine when they ran the story. <sighs> oh, because, you know, when you have the money to do that, that's going to be your response. Right. He also what? tried to distance himself uh, by Bennett. saying that, quote, loyal Ford employees, quote, were the culprits. They're just... They're just, you know, they love me so much. Right. They, they, they're just, did they're, they go overboard? Absolutely. But, you know, they're just, they're just defending their dad. Yeah. But to be fair, the violence is clearly the fault of the protesters. Quote, the affair was deliberately provoked by union officials. They simply wanted to trump up charge of Ford brutality. I definitely, uh, I know definitely no Ford servicemen or plant police were involved in any way in the fight. Um, Oddly I'm, specific. I'm sorry. Wait. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Mr. Ford? Yes. Mr. Can I call you Hank? Sure. Um, this wasn't a fight? Like, right. no part of this story involves anybody on the union side with, like, table legs or brick bats or... Baseball bats or pitchforks or torches, which, by the way, I'd be watching. I'd be watching out your window from at which night. from which estate all of them. Yeah, like, but but um, this a fight involves two people throwing punches. I also want to just go this back real quick. Like, I'd be watching out your window when you are building a fortress. <laughs> at what you, point do you have to admit to yourself on some level? Fritz? That you're the Fritz, baddies. Are we the baddies? Yeah. Like, we have... But why are they skulls? <laughs> like, yeah, you, you know, here's God the... Here's, it. Here's, here's the thing. If uh-huh. you have convinced yourself... That, again, it's zero-sum. It's me or them. Well, one, there's a bunch of factors. There's there's the zero-sum. It's, it's me mm-hmm. or them. Mm-hmm. Um, number one. Number two, if... And, and you, you, you got to it... Um, when, when I asked about, you know, why don't they see the pattern is, you know, well, you know, this is, this is the system. This is the way it is. Mm-hmm. And it is literally a sense of entitlement. I am entitled right. to tell these people how to work. I am entitled because I am the one giving them a job. Right. You know, and, and the, the thing of it is from the point of view of, 
anybody on the on the union thug side of the equation, like like mm-hmm. you or me, it's you wouldn't have a business without these people, right? You you would not have the mansion that you're having to fortify. But these people wouldn't have a but job. These without people you. wouldn't have a job. They, they should be grateful for their able, food. They should be grateful. For, and like I've worked for people like this on a much smaller scale. Mm-hmm. I work for one like this now. Yeah, well, granted. Um, but he's not sending thugs to beat me down. Yeah. No, he's not. He's uh, not. No, he's, he's not. But Don't get me like, wrong. They're, they're, he, he would like to. There are parents who are united to restore serfdom. Um, but, <laughs> uh, you know. He, and, and if he could get away with it, he would. Maybe. I, 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 maybe. I think the threshold for violence is very different now, honestly. Okay. All right. Granted. But but I also say that it is a tremendous amount of violence to try to get somebody fired from their job for speaking well, their mind. Yeah, number one. Yeah. Number two, um, you know, the 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 remarkable thing here is the uh, the blatant I don't even know what word to use of it, of saying, well, you know, this was clearly meant to provoke you know, a response like victim blaming. Yeah. Well, it's, it's 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 painting yourself as the victim of the thing that you're about to do. You're telling on yourself. Well, one, it's telling on yourself, but like even, even in an era when the threshold of violence was lower, Mm -hmm. it beggars my, my, my understanding of, of how logic works for, for the, the stated response to be, well, you know, this was all, this was all, just meant to provoke, like, so you had to immediately go for grabbing a dude and flinging him off mm-hmm. of an overpass. Right. Like, there wasn't any, hey, GTFO. Right. There wasn't any, you know, nope. we don't we don't want you doing this here on our property, right. like, even though it's public property, whatever, but th- there was no, it was just, no, no, we just walked up and started murdering him. Yeah. And like, well, you know, they were they were they were picking a fight. No, they weren't. Right. Yeah. But anyway, outside I just, agitators. It's, it's it's. So what I love <sighs> about the quote, where he says again, "quote The affair was deliberately provoked by union officials. They simply wanted to trump up a charge of Ford brutality." I de- I know definitely no Ford serviceman or plant police were involved in any way in the fight. That is an obvious contradiction. Yeah. Um, but also, he speaks of the service department and the internal plant police as though that's a normal thing. Like, well, just, just it it's always, there. It always had been. Right. Right. Also, know? that the police chief on the scene for the Dearborn police, a man named Carl Brooks, had come from the service department under Bennett and gave no orders to intervene. Revolving door. Yeah, well. Through all of these brutalizations and given the personalities of those in charge, it's easy to see how Ford Motor Company was kept from unionizing until 1941. Interestingly, wow. they did unionize prior to the war. In April of 41, after eight Ford employees were fired for joining the UAW, because you could do that back then, uh-huh. the entire labor force walked out as part of a wildcat strike. Oh, damn. And they blockaded the whole plant in a sit-down strike, and it was a 10-day strike. Wow. Now, during this strike, attacks on scabs were pretty common, uh, as was the UAW's women's auxiliary sandwich efforts. Uh, Again, taking a page out of the GM Strikes book. Yeah. Um, Now, I'm not a big 
big fan of beating the shit out of people. No. At the same time, if you're going to scab, it's, it's, you remember when I talked about you can have it coming, but not deserve it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You don't deserve to get your ass kicked, but, but you certainly have an have ass kicking coming. You have an ass kicking on its way. Because even though what you're doing is not directly violent, you are doing a violence to these people's families. Yeah. Uh, but what I find especially telling is that even then, there were signs on the picket line that said, quote, fast pals, Ford and Hitler. There were signs that had a swastika with Ford's name above it and Hitler's name below it. And my favorite, quote, why did Ford get a Nazi medal? Yeah. More on that in a bit. Uh, a few employees stayed inside and got paid a dollar an hour despite no work getting done. Uh, and Ford also paid strike breakers who had a tough time getting past the picket lines, no doubt, a yeah. dollar an hour. Ford didn't want to give in and was very close to just dissolving his company. Oh, really? Yeah, rather than capitulate. I didn't, I didn't realize that was the direction he was... Wow. Yeah. I mean, can you can you imagine? Again, when you make it zero sum, yeah. if I lose, I die. Yeah. I would rather destroy this thing than let them have it. Wow. It's that shit. This isn't even burning the village to save the village. This is just burning the village. Yeah. This is, like, well, like if I can't your, play with this toy, taking, I'm breaking it. Yeah, taking your sacks of cash. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. But his wife actually threatened to divorce him if he sold the family business. <laughs> so <laughs> Because because the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the kid. Only one kid. Oh, okay. kid. Yeah. Right. Okay. But he turned around and agreed to make Ford a closed shop. So, again, dude goes from most virulent anti to suddenly, okay, we'll do a closed shop then. Which is the most pro-union thing you can do. Yeah. Um, a closed shop is anybody who works there has to be it has union. to be union, but it's yeah. also it's also the most predictable. That's a good point. That's a it's, really good point. Now you don't have now, to have two sets of books. You don't you don't have yeah. to have two sets of books. You don't have to you don't have to worry about like, okay, if I'm going to allow the union to be here. Right. I don't want to have to deal with... I can just do one set of math for pay. Yeah. Yeah, and, you're absolutely and, right. And, and and I want to eliminate every source of friction within my machine that I can. Mm-hmm. And the friction between non-union and union workers yeah. is going to be a source of friction. Right. It's gonna, it's and that's going to get in the way. fuck-ups. It's going to get in the way. That's right. So, okay. All right, fine. If I got to do it, I'm going to go the whole way. But again, you remember, he started by paying more than anyone else yeah. was. And he's doing it again. He is going... Further than what's demanded. They didn't demand a closed shop. And he's like, yeah. yep, okay, we're going to go close shop. But I think you're absolutely right. That helps the machine run better. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, it seems to have been a no sour grapes policy as well, if not in person. Um, so speaking of in person, he actually made Harry Bennett be the one who signed the agreement to let Ford's workers join the UAW. Uh, Ford saw, I know, I know. Um, do you, do you really want to start feeding your wolfhound human parts? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> so I don't know. I like, like I'd be genuinely worried about, I created this sociopath and now I'm going to humiliate him. Right. But at the I same don't... time, he's following my orders. There's, uh, there's that aspect okay, and he's, right, he's, right. he's the fixer. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, and again, that takes me back to, I think Harry Bennett in so many ways started off neutral, neutral. Yeah. And now he's, now he's yeah. neutral evil. Yeah. Um, now Ford saw this whole thing as a chance to hurt GM and a chance to hurt Wall Street and as a way to actually co-opt the UAW. 
if I swing all the way this way, okay, he, you know, and he even said this That's to the president of the UAW. Theory. Well, because he likes co-opting shit. You remember yeah. uh, the pacifists in World War One that yeah, he tried yeah, to co-opt? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, this I understand. I, I, you know, I wonder if his success had by this time gone to his head. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hurt. Like, obviously, I want to hurt my financial business rivals. Like, yeah. obviously, obviously, I want to damage GM. I want to do what I can to hurt Chrysler. Right, right. Like those guys. Fuck those guys. Obviously. But also, this keeps him as the daddy. Yeah. On some level. Yeah. This. Well. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but like, I don't think he fundamentally understood what the creature was that he was dealing with. Dealing with. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I. You know, there's, there's, there's such an undercurrent of hubris going on with everything this guy is doing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's, it's remarkable. Well, the amount of energy he's putting into psychological self preservation. <laughs> Okay, that that it's, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. it's right. it's absolutely that. I didn't lose. Right, I exactly. didn't lose. This is all this is all this is all a long game. I chose. I chose. I, chose. I looked at the field. Yeah. Things have changed. I chose this, and now we're gonna go forward. Yeah, uh, uh, a you, man decides. Right, you know to get to get. I don't need to apologize because yeah. yeah, I'm moving forward. Yeah, mm, it's yeah. a right. lot of that. So that's where I want to clip it okay. um, here okay. because then we're going to shift into some of his philosophies. <laughs> some of those signs uh, will yeah. come up in Again. the next week's episode. Yeah. yeah. So having covered all that, yeah. uh, per the usual, what have you gleaned? Um, it is, I think, really important that as social studies teachers... We need to find a way, like in, in high school level, American history. Mm-hmm. Um, it winds up getting taught so often as this bloodless, well, not bloodless. What's, what's the word I'm looking sanitized. for? Sanitized. So, well, sanitized, but like on the one hand, you know, uh, World War One, World War Two mm-hmm. take up a huge chunk of the time that we gets devoted. We don't normally cover the in between spot. We don't. Other than there was a huge economic collapse, and then and then and then know, Saint FDR came in. Yeah, you know, there's 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 the interwar period doesn't doesn't get covered. Right. And then post war. Right. Development. And everything, you know, gets it because the Cold War gets lion's share of the yeah. The deal. And 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 the thing is, like, it's important, especially now that we're moving away from the Cold War with mm-hmm. ever greater distance between us and it. It's important for for people to understand, for students to understand about the Cold War and how it shaped everything. Mm-hmm. That's important. But what's also important, I think, is an understanding of how it was that we wound up in the position we were in at the beginning of World War II. Mm-hmm. And in order to understand that, you have to talk about American industrialization. Yeah. You have to talk about the relationship between capital and uh, labor. Uh, labor. Yeah. And that is like... The moment those words come out of my mouth, even my knee-jerk reaction is, "Oh, fucking hell, really? We're gonna, 
Like that's that's like economics. Why the yeah. no no motherfucker? It's not economics. It's it's human rights. Yeah. It is it is civil rights. It is mm-hmm. the understanding that um you know this this is literally blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah. And again, I would hope that if I'm teaching students in a underprivileged mm-hmm. area that my students would come away understanding, well, okay, um, our best bet for making our world better mm-hmm. is uh, solidarity right. and democratic principles and parti- like getting out and fucking participating. Mm-hmm. Show the hell up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would hope that if I'm teaching in a more affluent mm-hmm. part of town, that the lesson would be, don't wind up on the receiving end of a fucking guillotine. Yeah. Like, like don't make these mistakes. Yes. These are long. These are long historical arcs, but understand like, here are the signs to look for when you are in fendicicle. Yeah. Like, and figure well, and out just, and figure out how to get a softer landing for yourself by not being a massive dick bag. Well, I mean, you, you can know. just point to the Romanovs. Yes, they lasted yeah. for twelve czars. Six of them were assassinated. <laughs> yes. At no point yeah. were they exceptional enough to yeah. avoid that. Yeah. yeah. And 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 also, uh, let's let's like we can go even farther back. Let's look at uh, what was it, the year of eight emperors. Six emperors? Oh, in Rome? Yeah. The year of four emperors. Well, there was the year of four. There was at least one year of six. Because I've, oh. I've looked this up for my for my seventh graders. Yeah, you're talking toward the end of the yeah, empire. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you know. Like, like where like, there's some question as to whether Romulus Augustus is the last one or Julius Nepos is. Well, one. Right. But even before that, it was like, yeah. you know, the, the first, guy, first, guy, first guy gets assassinated. And then two mm-hmm. months later... The guy that the the his adopted son assassinates the guy who killed him, and he right. becomes emperor. And then it's like, yeah. and then it's like everybody's adopted nephews are yeah. like killing each other like all year. Yeah, like stable. So yeah, oh, yeah. so stable. Obviously, cool. But yeah, well, what you reading? What am I reading? Um, oh man, I had a really great idea for this. Oh, uh, I am going to recommend. Um, and this is this is going to sound really weird. Uh, but this is kind of inspired by stuff outside of outside of the uh, the the recording this evening. Um, I'm going to very strongly recommend uh, everybody look up Richard Cheese. Oh yeah, Dick Cheese. Yeah, and Lounge Against the Machine. Yes. Um, yeah. Largely, largely because of a conversation uh, online that involved the phrase. Uh, oh darn it. Uh, Oh man, now I forgot. But it was it was plays on Rage Against the Machine mm-hmm. after somebody, you know, made the remark of, you know, I re I re listened to Rage Against the Machine. It was just so angry and obviously communist and like, dude, what's yep. wrong with this? And right. like, you know Imagine how much Florence must hurt with all this rage directed hmm. in toward her. So, um yeah, I just because of that, check out Richard Cheese, Lounge Against the Machine. It's an awful lot of fun and and might help deal with the toxicity of modern life sure so how about you i'm going to recommend three different books but they're all on the same topic the first one henry ford my life and work okay his autobiography some really interesting stuff he is somewhat introspective in there okay um does he go all the way of course not no well no he he did but he has more self-awareness self-preservation yes yes 
but you read between the lines. And it's, okay. it's, there's some good stuff in there. And there are times where he absolutely fully admits his fault, and he's like, I should have done this earlier. Okay. The next one is, who was Henry Ford? It's one of those little kid kids series oh, okay. um, by Michael Bergen. Okay. But then the third one is The People's Tycoon, Henry Ford in the American Century by Stephen Watts. Okay. I think these three are a really good set of companion pieces because you see how he saw himself. Mm-hmm. You see the propaganda we give to kids, and then you see an actual historian studying this. Okay. So uh, I would say those three things. Okay, very cool. Um, yeah. So where can people find you social media-wise? I can be found on TikTok at Mr. underscore Blaylock. I can be found on Twitter at E.H. Blaylock. And we collectively can be found at uh, Geek History Time on uh, Twitter. Uh, and uh, our website, of course, is www.geekhistorytime.com. And uh, you've already found our, our uh, podcast, of course, but if you uh, want to direct anybody else to it, uh, we are on uh, Stitcher mm-hmm. and we are on the Apple Podcast app. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, episodes can be downloaded directly from the website. Now, where are they going to find you, uh, you Mr. Fi- Everywhere at Once? <laughs> you can find me at uh, Duh Harmony, two H's in the middle. Um, on the Twitter and the Insta, uh, and you could find me at Harmony one on TikTok. Uh, I've got several puns on there, but to be fair, uh, with the strike and everything, I've kind of fallen off, so I need to well, start yeah. recording some more content. There. Don't feel like you need to hurry. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's where you can find me. Uh, again, okay. uh, find us on the Apple app. You've already found us, but find us on the Apple app. Find us on Stitcher. Uh, please rate, subscribe, review, all that good stuff. Give us the five stars you know we earned. Uh, if you don't like it, then, uh, you know, just keep that to yourself. It's okay. Yeah, stay it's quiet. Okay. That's this, fine. This, You know what? This is a relationship, and it, thank you for the attempt. There you go. You know? That's you fine. So, for Geek History of Time, I'm Damien Harmony. And I'm Ed Blaylock. And until next time, keep rolling 20s.